0: He loves you so much. I received these gloves that I really love. It's my favorite color. (laughs) Yes. And I received this awesome mask that I'm going to scare my little sister and brother in the night with. (laughs) Yes. And these pants. And I'm going to use them in every book I have for school. And these awesome socks. And yeah, I just love it. It's like it brings this feeling to my heart that there's somebody out there that wants to share god's word and even though we feel lost that god is not there that yes god exists and he hears our prayers thank you
1: Well, good morning uh, to you all. (laughs) Good morning, blessings to you. And good morning and blessings to you also if you're joining us via live stream this morning. Uh, It's good to be back uh, with you all. It's a joy to be gathered together this morning to worship the Lord. And before we uh, begin, uh, let me give you just a few announcements. As you saw, there was a video for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, This is an opportunity uh, for us to be able to give uh, to children across the world who are in need. Uh, and so if you are interested in taking part of this ministry, there are empty boxes down in the fellowship hall. Uh, you can take as many as you want. There are instructions with it as well. I think you'll also find uh, an insert in your bulletin that you received on your way in. And uh, the, it's important that we turn in those boxes uh, by November 21st, no later than that. Uh, that is the day that we'll actually uh, that we'll deliver those boxes uh, to uh, to a, a central location that will then be sent off uh, to, the, to the ministry. And so it's important that we have those by November 21st. Uh, also, a, a second announcement is that, uh, for many of you know, that uh, that Sister Gail Bridgewood has passed away, and her, uh, her service in celebration of her life will be on November 13th, which is a Saturday that starts at 11 a.m., uh, everyone is welcome to attend, and it will be followed by a, a lunch afterwards in the fellowship hall. Uh, and also, uh, it, was, uh, it was Gail's request prior to her passing that if, that, that if uh, the church or anybody in the church desires or, or um, would want to, uh, is perhaps thinking about, sorry, uh, donating flowers for the service or to the family, that instead uh, to use that money uh, to go towards Operation Christmas Childs. And then lastly, uh, we are collecting prayer requests for the 2022 uh, prayer booklet. So if you're not familiar with that, uh, our church produces a, a prayer booklet uh, in which uh, there are prayer requests from, uh, from, just from families, from individuals in the church. Uh, it's just ways that, uh, that the church can be involved in praying for one another throughout the year. And so we're starting a little bit earlier this year in collecting those prayer requests so that we can have the booklet um, produced uh, in time for you to have them uh, either by the end of the year or early next year, so it is important that we have those in. so if you haven't turned those in, either uh, you can write them down and bring and put them in the offering box uh, in the back um, and or also uh, you can email them to admin at sccnh dot com and so please turn those in as soon as soon as possible. Um, if you don't i 'll be praying that the Lord will compel you to share those prayer requests that you will not sleep or eat because it's been bothering you so much. So if you don't want me to pray for you to that end, please share them as soon as possible. So with all that being said, uh, let's go to the Lord and worship Him uh, this morning. It's a great joy just to be with you all, for the church to be gathered together to, to worship Him through song, through prayer, through the preaching of the Word, and even as the this glory that God receives when His people are coming uh, together, even in time of just fellowshipping with one another. And so whether you are a member, regular attender, whether you are a, are a guest, uh, you are invited to come before the presence of God and to worship Him uh, to, to, to the glory and honor of His name. And if you are here and you know, know the Lord Jesus in a personal way, uh, then I would just invite you to, to, uh, to look at everything that we are doing this morning to the glory of God and then my prayer and hope is that you also would then join us in worshiping the Lord Jesus through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let's go to the Lord this morning and begin our time of worship through song.
0: Amen. Church, let's stand and worship this morning. Um, and in light of uh, what we just shared, let's let's read our call to worship. It's out of Psalm 96. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing... <clears throat> Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen. Um, Let's worship. is gone before through the trial and the sword many saints and martyrs and thieves for the worthless the least you have said. of gratefulness. church. In spirit, in song, and now in truth through your word. God, I pray this morning, I pray, Father, that our hearts may be open to receive your word. Lord, if just like as we sang, if, if our hearts, Lord, if, if we're prone to wander or to leave our God that, that we love, Lord, take our hearts and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above, Father. We are yours. Lead us today, now in your word. We ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, may we see you.
1: Amen. Let me read to us from First Peter chapter 1. Verse three, then we'll spend some time in prayer. First Peter 1:3: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." Amen, let's go to the Lord. let's go to the Lord, let's pray. Father, your immeasurable grace and kindness is unequaled and matchless. There is no other God like you. There is no other God besides you who dispenses and even lavishes such grace and mercy towards sinners deserving of your just wrath. Lord, we are in awe of you we are humbled by such generosity, such unmerited favor. We praise you, Lord, for such favor, and we pray that this morning you may receive worship through our meager hands. Lord, you have caused us to be born again through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your scriptures teach us that a Rebirth is necessary because apart from that, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven. And we cannot do this on our own. We cannot trust in anyone else to cause us to be born again. We must only trust in the power of Jesus Christ. And it is only through Christ that we are born again and made citizens of your heavenly kingdom. And we are now a people for your own possession. Bearing the image of Christ. And bearing that image, we are called to follow in Christ's step and to live our lives in the good works that you have called us to do, that we see and read about in the life of Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would forgive us for the ways that we have failed to follow Christ. Lord, forgive us for every moment of anger. Forgive us for every moment of impatience, for every moment of gracelessness. Forgive us for every moment of jealousy, for every lust. Forgive us for every lie. Forgive us, Lord, for every sin, for every way that we have failed to live out the miracle of this second birth. God, we ask that you would continue to work in us, continue the work that you have studied our, till it is completed. Lord, help us each day to bear the image of our Savior. Lord, that we would not be content with where we are at, but that every single day we would seek and aim and strive by faith to bear the image of Jesus Christ in an increasing manner. Lord, you command us to be holy because you are holy. So we pray, God, that you may give us the grace and that you may give us the strength to do what you command us to do. Lord Jesus, we turn our hearts this morning to our brother Bill Bridgewood and we continue to pray for him. We pray that the pain of his heart may be comforted by the grace and the love of God. That as he continues to mourn, Lord, that you would give him sweet remembrances of the gospel of Christ, that you would encourage him and that you would comfort him with the reality that Jesus Christ died for him and died for his wife who is now at the bosom of the Father. Give him the faith and the strength to seek you each day and to follow you. Give him a word of encouragement each day that will sustain him each day. And we pray also that, his, that your grace and your peace may rest upon his family as well. God, we pray for all in our church, Lord, who may still be recovering from sickness. We pray that all of your people may trust in your sovereignty because divine sovereignty is a great comfort to the Christian because divine sovereignty, your sovereignty reminds us, it teaches us that all things are under your control and that you work all things according to the counsel of your will and that you work all things for the good of your people. Help your people to rest in that. May the saints take great comfort in such precious truths as we also pray for their healing and recovery. God, we pray also this morning for those who may be in a season of trial, who may be experiencing discouragement, for those who may be battle-weary in the Christian life. Your word promises that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, may it be so for your children. May it be so for your saints, O Abba Father. Help them to continue to wait so that they would experience the reality of such a wonderful promise in their life. Lord, we also want to take the time this morning just to give you praise, just to honor you, just to thank you for the ways that you have sustained us as your people in these past few weeks. Lord, you have been incredibly, incredibly good to us. Though many of us have been terribly sick, you have carried us through and you have provided for us. You have sustained our lives. We thank you for safely also bringing the, the Marnos back home with their son, Davy. We thank you, God, for the many ways that you have cared for us, cared for us, ways, God, that we may not even be aware of. Ephesians says that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ. And from Christ, the whole body, when each part works as it should, the body builds itself up in love. So we thank you for the ways that you have been working in this particular body of believers to build itself up in love. We praise you for the kindness you have shown to us through your church. We thank you for this family that you have called together to worship you, to love you, and to love one another. We pray that the world would see and hear of our good works and give glory to our great Father who is in heaven. Lord, we trust you for all of these things. And we look forward to all that you are going to do. We join our hearts also this morning praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the scriptures. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you would please turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Reading verses 8 through 10 this morning. If you are following along with me in your Bibles, I would encourage you to keep your Bibles open as I'll be referring back several times to Ephesians chapter 2. So, Ephesians 2 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we pray that... You may be with us this morning, God, we pray that you would speak to us, help us to receive your word, not unto my glory or to anyone else's, but unto your glory. We, take, we ask that you would take your precious truths and plant them deep into our hearts, and that you would cause them to grow. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It was encouraging to me last week, having read this short story of a couple and how this, how the husband-to-be was not beholding the, the spouse of his dreams, the woman standing before him just moments from saying, I do had once lived sort of in in drunkenness, a party-goer, drug abuser. But in the messiness of her life, the Lord came and changed her life completely. She gave her life to Jesus Christ, and her life was absolutely transformed. So the person that this man was beholding before him at the altar, what he saw was not the person that she used to be, but the person that she now is, and that is a daughter of the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the great joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it transforms people. That the gospel promises that through faith in the Lord Jesus, that the self-righteous, that the prideful, that the arrogant, that the cheaters, the liars, the adulterers, the fornicators, the idolaters, the drug abusers, the alcoholics, can be made completely new through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This very sanctuary is filled with lives that have been transformed by that very gospel. You yourselves know better than anybody else the person that you used to be and the person that you are today through that transformative power of the gospel of Christ. This morning, as we turn to Ephesians and continuing our study in the topic of faith, the subject of conversion well, the second birth really deserves its own sermon or its sort of its, maybe its own sermon series, but it is a point that we touch on this morning, again, as we think about the topic of faith. So from our passage this morning, I have just two particular points that I want to walk you through, specifically focusing on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. The first is God's sovereign grace and God's sovereign workmanship. In Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2 really gives us a pers- the perspective of God with salvation. It gives us, it allows us to see what salvation is or what happens in salvation through the eyes of God. And to understand the gravity of our subject this morning, we need to first understand or consider the context. Because we cannot comprehend the sovereign grace of God apart from comprehending the predominant and pervasive nature of sin. So, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So dead in trespasses and sins following the course of this world, which the Bible teaches that the world itself is hostile to God, living in the passions of our flesh, sons of disobedience. The New Testament teaches us that the flesh is always opposed to the work of the spirit in the lives of Christians. The Bible speaks elsewhere of the works of the flesh. In Galatians 5.19, it tells us what these works of the flesh are. There is not an exhaustive list, but a pretty extensive list. Galatians 5.19, these are the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone who gives their lives to doing such things, practicing these things, maybe even making a habit of such things, without a course correction, without remorse, without regret, without any reverence and honor towards God, it tells us, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Colossians has a similar list, but adds, That account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So Ephesians chapter 2, what it really does is paints for us a picture of a world inhabited not by the living, but by the dead. To be more accurate, the Bible gives us a description or a category of living dead men, dead in trespasses and sins, and yet following the course of the world. It's crazy to me to think that with sort of the society's fascination with the dead and with zombies, that there are actually people in the world who think that there will one day be in sort of a zombie apocalypse, and people actually preparing for it. However, the Bible makes clear the zombie apocalypse is, in a way, already here. And then we get to verse 4. We have this wonderful conjunction. It says, but but God, so following the course of this world, but God, dead in trespasses and sins, but God, following the prince of the power of the air, but God, sons of disobedience, but God. We continue to read Ephesians chapter 2, four, chapter, verse 4 and following. We read about how God entered intercedes on our behalf, how God comes into our lives and he makes us alive in Jesus Christ. And this is absolutely necessary because dead men cannot make themselves come alive and cannot make others come alive. Just as Lazarus was in the tomb for four days and cannot make himself alive, he required the very voice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to call him out of his tomb. And so he obeyed, and so he came out. It is the mercy of God. It is the love of God. It is the grace of God that makes us alive. If we continue to read in Ephesians chapter 2, what we learn from this particular section, from 1 to 10, in Ephesians 2, is the centrality of the sovereign work of God. The magnifying of God as the central and only author of our salvation, is emphasized in several ways in this paragraph. Or if you continue to read, it tells us that God is the one who made us alive in Christ. That God raised us with Christ. That God seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. That God purposes to show us his immeasurable grace and kindness towards us in Christ. That God gives us faith and salvation. That God created us in Christ and that God prepared beforehand good works for us to walk in. So everything, all of our salvation, is owing the sovereign and powerful work of God in our lives. It's for this reason why Jonathan Edwards says that you and I contribute nothing to our salvation but the sin that made it necessary. Salvation is a work of God and God alone. It tells us in Ephesians so that no one may boast, right? No one can take credit for it. So this is the sovereign work of God where he takes those who are dead in trespasses and sins and he makes them alive in Christ. And in verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Now, when it's talking about the gift of God, some tend to think that the gift there is referring to faith itself, that faith itself is a gift from God. Now, while that, that is true, I think the gift that is actually referencing the entire package of salvation, that, that we are saved by the grace of God through faith. And that this entire package, that salvation, including faith itself, is a gift given to us from God. And there are other places in the scriptures where it is affirmed that faith itself is a gift. So, for example, in Philippians 1.29, it tells us, for it has been granted to you. That for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Topic for another sermon. But faith itself is granted to the believer. Acts 18.27, speaking about the, Paul's, about the Apostle Paul's travels, it says, And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace believed. that faith is a gift further enhances the point that apart from Christ, we are lifeless. That even faith itself is not something that we generate on our own because dead, those who are dead in trespasses cannot generate that on their own. The entire package of salvation, including faith, is granted to you and I because of the sheer mercy, love, and grace of God. Now one question might be is, if salvation is a work of God alone, and that grace comes to us from God, and that even faith itself comes to us from God, then why is faith even necessary in the first place? Why are we called or commanded to place our faith upon the Lord Jesus if faith itself is something that is given to you and I? I think the reason, there's a couple of different reasons why there's this necessity of believing, and that God does not save anybody apart from their believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's because God does not intend to sort of override your will, like, say, a computer program that, that, that it overrides the old computer program. But no, God means to recreate your entire will and give you a will. Desires to believe in God, to obey God, and even to love God. Not only that, but I think God is intends to reverse the work of Adam in the garden because essentially faith is a choice, and choices most often show what you value or what is most important to you. right Sin is always a choice, and in that moment. What you choose determines what you valued most at that time. When Adam, who's created in the image of God, created for God, created by the love of God, created to honor and obey God, instead transgressed the commandment of God, did what he ought not to do, he made a choice. He had a preference that instead of giving honor and glory to God and loving him, instead he desired and decided to love himself and seek honor for himself and seek glory for himself and live apart from God. And so when we place our faith and trust upon Jesus, it is a choice that we make that shows the incredible value and worth of Jesus Christ. It shows that he is the treasure of our lives. It shows that he is our Savior. Because he is our Savior, we want to love him and treasure him and value him and follow him for the rest of our lives. Choosing to believe or choosing to faith in God shows the magnificent worth of God. And faithing or believing in God every day gives glory to God every day. Even in Ephesians 1, it talks about how we are predestined or elected before the foundations of the world for adoptions as sons and daughters through Christ that ultimately is to the glory of God. When you read John chapter 12, it tells you there that Jesus went to the cross ultimately for the glory of God. And when you choose to believe and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, right, it's a choice that one makes to live ultimately the lives for the glory of God seeking the glory of God. And that shows the magnificent worth and value of the glory of God. And when it comes to faith and salvation and everything being an entirely a work of God, I mean, how do we reconcile that with evangelism, especially when we look at Ephesians chapter 1, which it tells us that God predestines people for adoption as sons through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 affirms the very same thing, so that God knows who are His but then what is the role of evangelism? Why do we share the gospel at all if God already knows who are His and has determined that those who are His will ultimately be saved? One reason we still continue to share the gospel because the Bible tells us to. But also, in Romans chapter 10, I won't read the passage to you, but in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 17, essentially it tells us that nobody comes to believe in the gospel apart from hearing the gospel. Faith only comes by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So even if God has determined all those who are His, He has also determined that those who are His will not be saved apart from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so then we make it our aim to share the gospel with all around us. We make it our aim to share the gospel with all the world so that those who are God's elect so that those who have already been chosen by God will hear the gospel and be saved. And So this actually should motivate us to evangelism because Christ did not come into the world to die for sinners to only make it possible that people might be saved, but to guarantee that his people are saved. And his people will certainly be saved and we share the gospel with all men, Trusting in the Lord that he will guide us to the right people who are his, that they may believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. We spend so much effort trying to reconcile the relationship between free will and human responsibility and divine sovereignty. But I'll leave you with the words of Charles Spurgeon, who once answered or addressed that very issue. He says, I try not to reconcile friends meaning that it's not a point of tension in the Scriptures, but holds them both together as absolute truths, as absolute realities. And God has determined that His people will not be saved apart from you and I sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it is through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are transformed from being dead and trespasses to being alive in Christ. And receiving so much more than that means, seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly places, seated with Christ. All this comes to us through faith. Then turning from God's sovereign grace Let's turn into God's sovereign workmanship. Through faith in the Son of God, God creates in us a wonderful and powerful miracle, and that is the miracle of regeneration, causing us to be born again. John chapter 3, in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, this is what Jesus is talking about. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? enter a second into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered truly Truly, I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit in John 1 12, it says but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God 1 Corinthians says that you are now a new creation, that the old has passed away and the new of, uh, has come. But in other words, you're not just an upgraded version of yourself. Right? It's not like car manufacturers that they produce a different sort of version of their previous models. Right? So if you look at, say, a 2015 Camry, it's very different than a 2022 Camry. Essentially the same platform, essentially the same engine, maybe a few modifications, but the difference this is, maybe more bells and whistles, maybe it looks nicer, sleeker. But ultimately, it's the same vehicle. Where well, we must resist the tendency to think that Christ came to make us a better version of ourselves, But He made us completely new. Something completely different. Jesus Christ did not come into the world and go to the cross and die on your behalf to upgrade you. He came and died on the cross in order to recreate you, to give you a new mind, a new heart, a new will, new affections. And one day even give you a new body. Verse 10. says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word create, there in that passage, we see see this only one other time in the New Testament, its original language, and that is in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, where it's talking about God's creation of the world. So it's intended here to point us back, I think, to the original creation. God creating the world, and God then creating man in his own image. So, through the power of the gospel, God has begun a new creation. But not a creation of the world, though that is coming. But a new creation in the lives of all those who choose to give their lives to follow Jesus Christ. Remember, Ephesians 2 1 says that we were once dead in trespasses. This is darkening of the understanding and giving to works of darkness. Even in that, I cannot help but think that the author is also pointing us back to the book of Genesis, because what existed before there was anything? It points us to a sort of this primordial chaos where there was only darkness, an existence filled with void, formlessness. It is as if man, because of his sin, continues to degenerate and is not what God, intending us to show us that God, that he is not what God intended him to be. That what's in our hearts is not reflecting the image of Christ in the light of the gospel, but instead is reflecting the darkness that was once in the world, or that before the world. Until one day, God spoke the light into existence, just as he spoke the light of the gospel into our hearts, and said, let The light shine and it shone. Second Corinthians four six says, For God who said, Let light let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He shone his light in our hearts, recreated us, and now we are his workmanship. In the work of God in our lives, through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, results in our no longer bearing the image of Adam. But faith in Christ results in our being recreated to bear the image of the second Adam, namely, who is Christ. And this is God's workmanship. But it isn't a workmanship that is completed yet, because it tells us in Philippians that he who began a good work in you will bring about to completion of the day of Christ. So God continues his workmanship today in my life, in your life. And it is our responsibility to continue to walk in faith. So if we wish to, for God to, continue, to his, continue his work in us, that we must continue to trust him and to follow him. And there are numerous opportunities for God to to work and form us in the image of Christ. We have various different trials. There are different events. We experience the testing of our faith at times as a means of God working in us and forming us. Suffering, suffering especially, is an instrument that God uses to work in your life and mine. Every single day is another opportunity that God uses to continue His work in your life. The question is, will you continue to put your faith and trust upon the Lord and allow God to do His transformative work in your life? Because every time you choose to go your own way, every time you decide to say no, every time that you decide to not go through a door that the Lord has opened, it's a neglected opportunity for God to perform His surgical and transformative work in your life. Jesus calls us to follow Him, and we're called to follow Him no matter matter where He takes us. And I hate that it's become so cliche, but Psalm 23, such a glorious, glorious psalm. In that psalm, it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. It takes faith to believe that. It takes faith to trust in that. It takes faith to trust in the fact that the Lord will not lead you into any situation that he himself will not enter. I mean, for goodness sakes, Jesus went to the cross obediently, willingly, suffered, bled, and died because he loves you, to save you, to give you eternal life. If Jesus was willing to put himself through that suffering, will He not also walk with you in your suffering? You just need to trust Him and follow Him and allow the Holy Spirit of God to do His transformative work in your life. This is the path of sacrifice, of self-denial, and of glory, ultimately. This is also the path of good works. Again, verse 10 of Ephesians 2, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These good works that is talked about here that has been prepared for you and I, we should not think of them so narrowly as if like God had created specific works for you to carry out, though I think that is true, but I think it's intended to be interpreted much more broadly, that there are good works that you and I are called to do, that have been prepared beforehand by the Lord himself. And to clarify that, I think it's helpful to define what a good work is. Now, several passages that I think are helpful in defining what a good work is, is Titus 2.14, Philippians 2.13, Matthew 5.16, and James 2.14. Taking these passages together, a good work is any work that is born out of faith in God. In other words, it's produced by faith in God. That you do these good works because you have faith in God. That faith comes first, and out of that faith, you show that faith in the doing of good works. A good work is any work that is born out of faith in God for the pleasure of God. Last week we talked about, as we, as we continue this topic of faith, we learned or reminded of the fact that through faith we become children of God and God becomes our Abba Father. And as His children, just like any child desires to do, they desire to please their father, to please their parent, to bring a smile to their parents, to, to sort of have the honor and the pleasure of their parent by walking in obedience, right? And that is ultimately our aim as well. So any good work is a work that is born out of faith in God for the pleasure of God to the glory of God. And any good work that we do, we ultimately desire to bring honor and glory to God. That these good works were prepared before him by God which is then another affirmation of the centrality and the exclusivity and the sovereignty of God in our salvation. That God not only has saved us, but He's also determined how we are to live out this salvation. And this is a course. This has this idea that God has set a course for us to walk and that the only ones who can walk on this particular course are those who have been recreated in the image of Christ or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now it is up to us to walk in these good works, right? God does not do this for us, but we are called to walk in them. Now, with regards to faith, right? Faith trusts in the sovereignty of God and our salvation, that the salvation and faith even comes to us by God and God alone we are called to place our faith upon Jesus every single day in order to allow God to have his transformative work in our hearts, in our lives, and that faith also requires us to continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ until all of God's people are saved. But if there's anything that I want you to take away from our time together, it is this. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for good works. God saved us, and God had already, has already prepared the good works that we are to walk in, and that we are to be zealous for those good works. And the question then is, do you have zeal for good works? How do you know if you have zeal for good works? Here's a few diagnostic questions. First is, are you aware of needs? Are you cognizant of the needs that there are around you? And to be aware of those needs, well, then you also need to have a vibrant relationship with the family of God. Because you cannot be aware of needs of the church if you're never with the church. Another question is, do you ask? Do you ask to help? Do you ask others, can I help you with this? Do you ask those who may be sick or struggling, is there anything I can do for you? Is there any way I can help you? And then lastly, is asking yourself and answering honestly, am I doing good works? This is how you determine whether or not you have a zeal for good works. If you are aware of the needs around you, if you are proactive in meeting or at least helping to meet those needs, and asking if there is any way that you can meet those needs. Now, good works look differently for all of us depending on the stage of life, depending on the different seasons. My good works might look different for somebody who, say, might be single because I have a family and I have those responsibilities, and so my good works might look differently because for the single person, comparatively speaking, they might have more time and energy to devote more to more good works than I might have the time for. And regardless of whatever stage, there is no excuse to not do those good works. For somebody who is younger, their good works will look different for somebody who is older. Maybe for somebody who is incapacitated. For some of you who are sick, right, maybe you were wanting to help others, but you weren't in a physical position to help others. And that is okay. You need not feel ashamed about that or feel bad about that. Sometimes all you need to do is just receive. (laughs) Receive the help that others offering. But for somebody who, say, might be older and doesn't have the energy or somebody who doesn't have the resources to devote to good works that others might be able to devote themselves to, their good works might be just to simply send a card, send an email, send a text message, place a phone call and ask, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, how are you doing? Hey, can I, what can I, how can I encourage you? Or it might even just simply be just praying. That certainly is a good work. The book of James tells us or teaches us that we are not only to love in word, but in deed and in truth. I know I'm asking sort of a lot of questions, but two more questions is one, do you love others? And secondly, How does that person know? Do you love others? Do you love the person sitting next to you or behind you? If you say, yeah, I do, then how does that person know? Let us not love only in word, but in deed and in truth. Passage in Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 1, begins with sort of our walk following the course of this world, dead and trespasses and sins, and then that section begins then by our being recreated in the image of Christ and then called to walk in the good works that God has laid out for us. But this is something only believers can do because they've experienced the regenerating power of the gospel of Jesus Christ through faith in that gospel. It's been incredibly encouraging within the past few weeks, as many as many have been incapacitated by sickness and some are still recovering. It's been incredibly encouraging just to see the church display these good works in helping others and encouraging others and meeting different needs and asking, how can I help? How can I serve? What can I do for you? It's been incredibly encouraging. Encouraging and also enlightening as well because trials, and I think that this was a trial. Trials have a way of showing what's in our hearts. Trials have a way of being very revealing of what we care about, the things that we love, the things that we place sort of a high price upon the trials that we've experienced, it's really shown to me, and I want to encourage you in this way, it's really shown to me that there is this deep love and fellowship within the body of Jesus Christ. So may the Lord continue to grow us in our good works towards one another. May we continue to grow in this zeal that we are called to have in meeting the needs of others it's what we've been recreated for for these good works prepared before him that we might walk in them because we bear the image of Christ is ultimately to the glory of God amen let me pray for us lord we we praise you and thank you Because the only way that we can do the good works that you have called us to do is because of the good work that you have done in dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, we pray that you may help us to adorn ourselves with these good works, not as a means of trying to earn any merit or favor or righteousness, but as something that is produced, genuinely produced in us through our faith. And because we ultimately desire to bring you glory and that you would delight in us. Lord, help us to continue to to make you proud. Help us to follow you to trust in you. You have recreated us and you continue your workmanship in us today. Help us to allow ourselves to give up our ways, our selfishness that gets in the way of you working in our hearts. But Help us to submit to you, to follow you, wherever you lead us. And we pray that you would increase our love for you and that you may also increase our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ and increase our love for the world, for those who don't know you, so that, I, so that we may show our good works to them, that they may give glory to you, that we may love the world well. by sharing the gospel with the world so that they may in turn learn to live their lives for the glory of God, that they may also love the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Church, let's stand and in response to today's message. Let's, uh, let's worship in song one more time today. Amen. <laughs> blessed assurance blessed assurance Jesus is Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight, angels descend. morning father and my prayer is lord that you may help us help us to trust you to trust your ways lord lord i ask you that you may continue to uh, to produce in us your good works father may your faith increase as we see your workmanship in our lives and may may that draw us closer lord and bring you, the glory that you deserve. Lead your church, Father, I ask. Lead us. And may we remain faithful, Lord, as you remain faithful. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. In today's benediction, I leave you with Hebrews 12. And The word of God says, Therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that's speaking of the faith of of those before us let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the day for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross for us, church, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Uh, church, you're dismissed. Come on. Come on.